Welcome to Shining Bright, the Farm Her radio show all about women doing great things. Women who are making the ordinary extraordinary. Women following their passion, taking action, and making a difference for themselves and others. Join me, Margie, as your host on Shining Bright by Farm Her. This is all a very unprecedented time, an unprecedented situation, something that we couldn't see coming. And I myself, as a small business, have been, um, you know, trying to understand what this means to me personally, what it means to the business overall, what it means to my neighbors, what it means to my friends, what it means, you know, to my household, to all the other households out there, and what it means for agriculture and, and all the farmers and farm herds and no matter what size type kind of operation that you have, you're all small businesses, no different than mine. And in thinking about how this is going to affect us, because even if it's not affecting my business today, right, like you're going to be able to still see our TV show today, um, actually today, right, on RFD TV. You're going to be able to go to YouTube and, and see those things that we're doing. But, but how does this play out in the longer term look at our business and the ways that this affects us, it, it's real. And so I um, connected with a broader group through Goldman Sachs this morning of business owners, and it really brought to light really interesting things. And I really think that this is of great importance for all of us to think about if we own any sort of business, run any sort of organization, are a part of any sort of organization, work for businesses, you know, if you utilize small businesses in your area. These are all really important things to understand about what's going on out there right now. And so we're going to be bringing on Dan Weingarten, who is somebody who I just have so much respect for, and hear his take on how small businesses are weathering, aren't weathering, what they can do, how they can navigate, and where to go. So check this out. Okay, we are here for, uh, I'll call it a special edition of Shining Bright. And in light of all of the absolute difficulty that is going on out there, I don't even know what else to call it. Um, I, I have a number of resources, you know, that I pay attention to and watch. And many of you have heard me talk about the Goldman Sachs program I went through in 2019. And in that program, I met Dan Weingarten and uh, he has a wealth of information, and he had a wonderful post the other day on Facebook that I really wanted to um, be able to talk through a little bit more and put out there for all of you who might be wondering from a business perspective, right, whether it's a, a small business, a family farm, uh, any sort of nonprofit organization, anywhere in the food chain, a communication business, you name it, like this is affecting all of us. And so, Dan, welcome to Shining Bright. Thank you for having me today, Margie. Yeah, so can you give our audience just a real quick overview? Um, introduce yourself to us. Uh, I'm Dan Weingarten. I am a lead faculty uh, for Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Businesses, and this is a program by the Goldman Sachs Foundation, uh, kind of in the tradition of the Carnegie Libraries, where people who have been successful in American business give back to their communities and especially to other entrepreneurs uh, to help them be successful. And so they have funded a training program across the country, including here in Iowa, that so far has uh, almost 10,000 graduates. 
Uh, Iowa's program just started up in 2019, and I was fortunate enough uh, uh, to be selected to participate uh, as a faculty member. Uh, and as lead faculty, I get to kind of go through the entire program and get to know all of the scholars or alumni uh, after they graduate really well. Uh, and that means I see a lot of small businesses, um, both their opportunities and their pains. And unfortunately, in this last week or two with the coronavirus uh, emergency for public health, uh, it's been mostly pain, although there are some good stories of pivots or taking advantage of solving problems in the crisis as well. Uh, but uh, this is uh, a huge opportunity for those of us uh, in leadership business positions to help others be successful. And I think that may be where the, the origin of the push-pause article that you're talking about came from. Yeah, yeah. So before we get uh, into push-pause real deep, tell me what you're kind of seeing. I know we were on a call earlier talking with a variety of small businesses across Iowa. I know you have your fingers on the pulse of this, whether it's in Iowa or across the country with uh, uh, communities that you're a part of. What is it you're seeing for small businesses, you know, whether no matter what the type of business? So between my national cohorts and my Iowa cohorts, uh, I probably have uh, 200 small businesses that, you know, I've got pretty intimate or close relationships with and I'm tracking. Uh, the vast majority of them have seen very sudden drop-offs in revenue and demand. Many of them have had to uh, physically close because uh, restaurants and travel-related entities are subject to mandatory closure orders or at least, you know, drastic reductions in revenue. So it's really hard to go from, you know, a uh, fully functioning gangbusters business where you're doing everything right, uh, and then suddenly because of a black swan event that nobody saw coming. We've never seen a black swan before, right? Uh, okay. This isn't our fault. Um, now, uh, not only isn't revenue coming in the door, but many cases are, customers can't come in the door because of public health orders. And we have this further uncertainty that we just plain don't know how long for sure this is going to last. So the degree of uncertainty is reflected in uh, the panic that we're seeing in the stock market and people's wallets are snapping shut uh, because we don't know where our next dollar is coming from. Uh, we're all trading our uh, existing dollars as if they are our last dollars. Yeah, it, it kind of feels like that whether you're a business owner, whether you're talking about your personal finances. I mean, it's, it's scary all around right now. And, and what I heard this morning is, you know, almost every business is untouched. Are you seeing anything different in businesses that function in rural communities, um, or is it just the same across the board? In some ways, the, the difficulty for rural communities are worse. Uh, it, we often are operating on smaller margins. Uh, for instance, agricultural producers, and I come from farm families on both sides of, you know, both my wife and uh, my family come off the farm. Uh, you know, we know what it's like uh, with, uh, you know, small margins and, 
what has happened to commodity markets uh, has you know just further harmed our ability to make a profit. The last three or four years were bad enough already, and uh, just like the stock market, commodity prices are plunging. Uh, that just adds so much uncertainty to our uh, 2020 planting plans or production plans, and the Main Street uh, businesses and services that service rural America uh, have the exact same issues because uh, we're so all closely interrelated. Uh, you know, the, the beauty of uh, a market economy or capitalism is that we're all servants to each other. Um, but the challenge is, is that because we're all interdependent, when none of us have money, uh, to spend, it's really, really difficult, and that's where we're sitting right now. Rural America is maybe especially challenged by our lack of when we're expected to work from home. Um, you know, not everybody is equipped with high-speed broadband. Uh, when students are sent home from school, uh, not everybody is equipped with the computers or tablets to be able to do distance learning, uh, and we've got probably more uh, bandwidth or capacity issues with uh, the services that we do have in rural America. Um, and just so many of our jobs in rural America uh, require us to work in groups or together. So having to stay socially distanced or isolated uh, complicates everything that we do. Uh, and we have probably several months ahead of disruption here. Um, the, from the coronavirus or the COVID-19 disease uh, and the necessary public health response. Uh, and you've heard about flattening the curve. The reason why we're taking this so seriously so fast is it became clear that if we just let the virus run its course, that the rate of infection would overwhelm the number of hospital beds that we have. That's another problem in rural America. Uh, our access to health care is worse. Uh, our ratio of hospital beds to patients in much of the upper Midwest, where I live, Iowa, Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota, is actually pretty good. But then you look a little bit deeper, and our, we have this huge shortage of providers and very few uh, intensive care beds or intensive care units in rural America. And that's right. exactly the level of care that's going to be required. We can't let this get out of control uh, or our physicians or nurses are going to be faced with who do we save uh, because the, it's like uh, we could overwhelm the number of beds and IC units by uh, a factor of 12 to 20 in most locations. Yeah, which is so scary. I heard you say it this morning, and I wrote it down, and it, it's definitely a description of what's happening right now, and I, I hope it doesn't. It, it stays this way as we're trading economic damage for lives, right? And, yeah, and, it, right, uh, right. And, and it's necessary. It it, yeah. It's necessary. I mean, you know, I, I fully understand why we've got to do what we have to do, uh, but uh, in order to save lives, we're burying uh, a lot of us economic uncertainty, and that's where um, this was both advice and advocacy for the concept of uh, push-pause, um, but uh, I wanted to remind people earlier in the week that there is something we can do. 
rather than letting money go out of our pocket to pay mortgages or debt uh, when we don't have cash and we don't know where the next month, you know, next dollar is coming from, I'm encouraging people to push pause with their lenders. Call your lender um, and ask for forbearance. Uh, Forbearance is one of those like magic legal words. And what it means is basically we're going to mutually agree uh, to put payments on hold and add those payments to the end of the loan or the end of the obligation, and at least for the duration of the emergency. Um, uh, I'm not going to make payments and it won't uh, count against my credit score. It will be by mutual agreement. Uh, and when I made that, there was no requirement that a bank uh, or mortgage company had to say yes. Yep. But in the meantime, uh, there's been action by the federal government and by many private banks uh, that give us a lot of hope. Uh, uh, the federal government yesterday, through uh, its regulators and uh, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, who regulate the secondary mortgage market, are requiring lenders and loan servicers uh, to grant up to uh, 12 months of forbearance in the current circumstances through the emergency on personal mortgages. The Bank of America, one of the largest national banks in the country, um, is doing the same, and there have been, I expect, more banks to follow suit. Uh, So the likelihood that when you call your bank, and you ask for forbearance on uh, your loan obligations, at least through the emergency, uh, the likelihood that they say yes is very high. And let me uh, clarify, so so the Fannie Mae and the Freddie Mac and the Bank of America were specific to personal mortgages, but if there's other types of business loans out there, this uh, idea of forbearance is still relevant, correct? It's still relevant, and I think that this is what I would say the emerging uh, policy response by the federal government is in order to spread out the kind of the economic injury or damage is everybody is just going to have to accept a lower rate of return in terms of the interest that we thought we were going to get from our investments and from our mortgages and those sorts of things this year. And by allowing forbearance and as kind of the standard solution here and putting um, mortgages and other debts, including small business debt, on hold until we're past this emergency, we're all better off. One of the big lessons from the financial crisis of 2008 uh, was that it actually hurts lenders to enforce uh, their rights through foreclosure or similar remedies in the heart of a panic uh, because it just further damages the value of the assets that are supposed to protect the loan. So it's, it's actually stupid of lenders uh, to be strict about loan enforcement in the middle of a panic. Uh, and the same is true of uh, a landlord with rent. We should be asking for forgiveness uh, or, um, or not forgiveness, uh, but forbearance on uh, adding this to the end of the, the lease uh, with where we're currently at. Who are they going to rent to if you're not there in six months? We really need right. small businesses to survive, to be there for the recovery with their jobs and job creation potential. If we bankrupt every business and every individual in America uh, through this public health disaster, we've helped nobody. Uh, instead of emerging from a recession into 
uh, real growth potential will emerge into a depression, and we don't want that. And that's why push-pause is such an important concept. And I do think that it's the emerging policy from uh, the major banks and Washington, D.C. as well. Yeah, yeah. I I appreciate this so much. It it makes great sense. And, and again, you broke down a term that I wasn't even sure what forbearance probably really meant before, but you broke it down into a very applicable way for, uh, you know, for me and anybody else listening, I think, um, it, that there are resources out there that everybody understands what you're going through at this point. And, and I think one of the biggest things that I took away from your message too, Dan, is that uh, this isn't just going to happen. You have to ask for it. You have yeah, to reach yeah, out and ask, ask for it. it. And it's, it's okay to ask. You know, you're not going to be the only one. It's, it's not uh, weakness. This is a situation that we're all in, right? And, and again, it's nobody's fault here is, is that uh, through no fault of our own, um, you know, we're in a situation where we have uh, no revenue coming in or very restricted revenue coming in uh, and business models and debt that was built on uh, the continuation of the status quo. And at least for the next several months, the status quo just doesn't exist. And I think you kind of uh, mentioned earlier, it's like living in an alternate reality um, and yeah, you know, like the mirror universe from uh, Doctor Strange is we're going to have to keep everything here in the mirror universe and not let it spread uh, into the general economy when we get a chance at recovery. Uh, we have to have an opportunity to do that. Uh, the, the, and the key thing with um, forbearance is, you know, yes, you have to ask, but uh, there's incentives for your bank and lenders to say yes. One of the reasons why the Federal Reserve cut its bank lending rate to essentially zero, it's 0.025%, you know, essentially zero because that's less than the historic rate of inflation, is to allow banks to have the liquidity to do this. And uh, forbearance is not a new loan. You don't have to fill out an application. Uh, you don't have to wait for a new loan approval. This is we're putting existing loans and obligations on pause and asking bankers to add uh, this to the end of the loan or the end of the obligation. And we should do the same. You know, if, we, if, if this is a situation we're in, do the same with your commercial landlords as well because uh, none of us are going to be helped to have empty buildings six months from now uh, with no other people willing to take risk or rent. We, we need to be able to just go out to the car um, whenever this emergency is over and turn on the engine of the economy and have there still be gas in uh, the tank and uh, let people get back to work. Uh, we can't bankrupt people in the meantime. Yep, yep. So if it's, if it's not something you own, if, if it's rent, the situation that you're in, don't hesitate to ask for forbearance because those landlords well, can then ask for forbearance on their side, right? Exactly. It's like the flip side of the coin is, is that if they've got a mortgage, uh, they can ask for forbearance as well. And that's just going to have to be the way things work this year uh, because, again, this is nobody's fault. We're going to have to kind of cooperate and share the burden equally uh, you know, as investors, uh, many of us play both the role of consumer and investor. We're going to have that loss of income on the investor side of the equation. Uh, but as consumers, 
And as small business people, we need that flexibility to survive and to make sure that the job creators uh, within our economy are there when we get done. Yep. And so this, this is talking about you know rent or loans that you already have. Now, um, a couple of the other topics that I heard this morning that I think whether you're personal, whether your business, you know, consider ways that you can conserve your cash right now, right? And um, maybe if you don't have a loan or if you aren't in a rent situation, but you're you're going to be experiencing uh, cash flow difficulties from the business angle, there are opportunities for new loans too out there, correct? So the and this will vary a little bit by state by state in terms of the timing at which this is available. I think about 14 or 15 states have completed this process. I think Iowa's announcement is coming up this afternoon. Uh, but there is a, uh, an emergency program by the small administration, small business administration, for economic injury disaster relief loans. And I can provide you the application link, but this will be the ability to apply for a disaster relief loan at relatively very low interest rate. I think if I remember correctly, it's 3.25% uh, for people that are affected by the, the coronavirus. And uh, it will give some short-term relief. Now, I still prefer, prefer if you can, uh, you know, uh, bring in accounts receivable, if you can convert inventory to cash, uh, if you can reduce expenses through forbearance, uh, use uh, the Family Medical Leave Act provisions, emergency provisions, uh, and the, all of the states have become uh, really innovative even on unemployment compensation. Uh, so for instance, it may be easier to lay off an employee and guarantee them uh, revenue through the uh, unemployment compensation. And the rules have been changed. We have basically have no-fault unemployment now. Uh, employees that are laid off because of this crisis uh, will not count against employers in future uh, unemployment compensation insurance rates. So it's a no-fault layoff. Uh, that, and, and there's even flexibility to lay yourself off in a lot of cases. So. Uh, there, there, there are a lot of ways that government is intervening uh, to try to help us push pause on the overall economy, uh, including that forbearance concept, but also the changes in unemployment, the changes in the Emergency Family and Medical Leave Act. Uh, there's promises of uh, right now in terms of legislation moving through Congress that we expect by the you know, very early next week. Uh, for emergency disaster payments direct to consumers. Uh, I don't think they've fully settled on the amount, but at anywhere from 1200 per individual uh, to 2100 per, uh, per couple. Uh, and I expect those to, to be out there quickly because we've got to maintain cash in there just so people can eat and keep the lights on and those sorts of things. Uh, we've seen... Uh, Water companies and utilities, uh, you know, change their rules. They're not going to turn off water. They're not going to turn off uh, heat and lights during these emergencies. Yeah. Well, Dan, I, I appreciate this so much, and I just want to reiterate to everybody: you have to don't don't hesitate to ask. You know, um, this this isn't a situation to hold your pride because everybody is in somewhat of the same boat or various versions of the same boat. 
Is there a place, Anne, that you, if people reach out to you, that you tell them is a good place to go when it comes to small business, um, to this, like, ever-evolving, like, every, I feel every minute, every hour, every day, it's moving so quick right now as things change. Is there any one place that um, small businesses can look to? So the the Small Business Administration's Small Business Development Centers, or SBDCs, are in every state. And the SBDC offices and their websites have really great resources. They're staying current with regards to uh, the tools that are available in individual states. Um, the, the CDC's uh, COVID-19 website uh, is also a major resource and has links out to other uh, programs by the federal government um, and your state's uh, economic development agencies like the Iowa Economic Development Authority have also been doing uh, a really good job of uh, keeping up to date and maintaining online resources and links. Um, I blog at agingwithfreedom.com. Uh, and I'll continue to post and share items there uh, on the agingwithfreedom.com website. Wonderful. We'll link to all of those. I'll put up a blog, and, and we'll share your Facebook posts as well, too, because, again, it's, it's relevant, it's timely, and it applies to so many of us in, in one area or another. You know, it might not cover all of us broadly, but um, it's, it's just a, a very... I don't know what else to call it, but a unique situation that I, I hope we never see again, but it's, it's uh, ever-evolving. Well, I'm a bit of a historian. I didn't expect to uh, see the Spanish flu uh, essentially revisited, uh, which my grandparents had lived through back in 1918 and 1920 when, you know, they were essentially that age. Um and, you know, we're revisiting contagion and pandemic on a worldwide scale, and it's no fun. Uh, it's nobody's, there's nothing we can do about it. Uh, and what I've actually been encouraged about is, you know, even though we're being required to maintain our social distance, uh, I have been very impressed with people's attitude that we really are in this together. Uh, this is like a wartime attitude uh, we're putting the politics aside, and we know that we have to help each other, uh, and there's, there's going to be a lot of work at the end of this. Uh, but that's why that idea of push-pause requires everybody to do it um, and so that you know, we kind of distribute the pain equally uh, rather than bankrupting uh, you know, too many people in the process here. So. I appreciate the opportunity to talk with you today, Margie. I uh, love your material and uh, love following you on Farm Her and your various channels of distribution. You're a great advocate for agriculture and women in agriculture in particular. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Shining Bright by Farm Her. Be sure to listen Saturdays at noon and Sundays at 1 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM's Rural Radio 147 and the Sirius XM app. And now, go shine bright.